think the bot's Whoa. operating? <laughs> yeah, probably if it's going now recording. I think it's probably recording. <laughs> well, thank okay. you for coming on. <laughs> and thank you for having me. Um, to introduce myself, I am Vin Tanner, aka at hologramvin on twitter.com. And I'm here to talk about a lot of different things, some of which will be poetry, some maybe even my poetry, who knows? And maybe we'll also talk about science fiction and words. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun and maybe even bots too. Maybe we'll get to that. Oh yeah. Yeah. The old, the old Twitter bots. I think it would be really great for me to just be like, okay, um, let's look through all of them. And I haven't revisited them probably since I've made them and let's just see what happens. But that that's, that's optional because there's a lot of them. Uh, they're not all good. I just had a lot of, time on my hands as a teenager so no that's cool twitter bots are are still are still cool but we should probably start with um yeah. with the game jam i think or the poetry yeah, jam. excuse yeah. me well i mean it's a poetry jam but it is using the metric and the format and the website of game jams so um if you have never heard of the website itch.io it is a website where you can host media files, but it's mostly associated as a site where you can play um, a lot of independently made games. Um, it's like a not shitty Steam. I mean, everything has problems, of course, but itch.io, like you can make a Twine, which is a text-based game, and you can upload that and like only accept donations so people can either play it for free or pay you $10 for it if they really like it. And you can upload pretty much any kind of file, videos, game files, text files. Um, there's a scene slowly growing of people who write their own tabletop RPG games and they're like selling the tabletops through itch.io and um, it's got, it's a really great website because while yes, some of the games you see are almost studio quality or indie studio quality and, or they are games you can also get on Steam. Um, a lot of the games are very, very like one or two people made this um, and it allows for more variety in what a game contains. Um, but why I, and using this website is because they have a function for something called game jams. And how it works is you go to itch.io, you say, I want to host a jam. So you have an account and you create a jam and how game jams work is basically you select, like you name it, you say, this is what I want you to submit. This is, you know, the time period you have to make something and then submit something in. And so basically what it is, is there can be all, it's kind of endless with the possibilities. A lot of people do them as competitions where there is a winner or like, like multiple winners. Um, some people do it and it's just for fun. Um, some people do it like you have to have a very specific theme. Some people do it and it's like, you can do anything. But I used the fact that itch.io 
can host text files and PDFs alongside, you know, games or browser-based applications. Um, I used that so that people could, over the course of February, or before that, because I have no rules about like, you have to make something in 29 days. But basically anytime from February 1st to the 1st of March, um, you can compile a bunch of poems in a PDF and a TXT and you post it on there. And then that's a chapbook, basically a digital chapbook. And um, I then, you know, I, as they come in and I go and I read them, I always read them before I say anything Thing about them because um, that's what you're supposed to do. But um, they uh, then I get to like say a little bit about them and I send them to an email of everyone who is participating. And I think there's over 160 people who get those emails. So then it's basically like you're getting your chapbook is being emailed to over 100 people who may, may not read it. But it's just. Um, it's supposed to be fun and, you know, like encourage people to like start 2020 out by like, oh, look, I made something which can like help motivate them for the rest of the year because they actually made and completed something. Um, and there's very few rules about like what the topic has to be and there's no submission fee and there's no like it has to be this quality. It has to be this quantity. It, there's nothing like that mostly to encourage and allow a space for the kind of people who don't often get published to be published even if it's you know like for free and in a public space I still think that that can really be very important especially when there are so many people who just get rejected 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 and it's like you know there's a reason why that happens and it, it means no one can ever improve or ever get another opportunity um, further down the road. So it's kind of, um, hey, if you've never really been able to succeed, or even if you have been able to succeed, but you want to do something different that isn't that isn't held to this like professionalism standard, um, just, you know, write poems, put them together in a document and post them, and they will be read by at least one person, and that one person will be me, and I will say something nice about it, um, unless it's like, I've had two submissions now. One um, was just a troll submission, so I just like deleted it immediately. But this other one I think is like an anti-communist chapbook, so I'm probably gonna have to remove it. Um, and it's just like, you know, unless it's something like that, or unless it's got some bigotry in it, it's, it, I'll say something nice about it. If not, if it's got a problem, it just gets deleted and I, that's it. That's kind of what, um, like you were saying earlier, I think on Twitter, like the right loves to be like, oh, we owned you by your own rules. And it's just like, no, I'm just gonna, just gonna delete it. It's really easy. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I like I, I I get it. Like they think they're oh ho ho. You said we could submit anything. Well, here's this, and it's like, yeah, I said you could submit anything, but I also said that if I took issue with it or if it was clearly opposed to what this represents and stands for, it's just gonna get deleted. Like all I do is laugh about it and then delete it. It's like you're not actually showing me anything. It mostly it's just amusing to me, but it's also like. 
it's just amusing to me because I, I, it's like, what kind of logic is that? Because it doesn't make any sense. Like you're not show, you're not showing me anything except like, cool, good job. You made something that I'm just gonna delete now. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe they think they get really excited because then in the emails I'll be like, hey, by the way if you submit something that's a troll submission or if you submit something that's anti-communism, it will probably just get deleted. And they're like, ha ha, I really showed you. But it's just like, that's what you live for? An anecdote and an email? Like that, that really does say more about the excitement level in your life than it does in mine. Because I'll probably forget about it by the next week. Yeah, totally. And like, maybe we, like, what have your experiences been like with, I guess, game jams in the past have, have you had any like what is your experience with that been i guess for people who maybe aren't familiar with that kind of culture yeah i think when i was a teenager um i really was like like ooh, game dev looks kind of cool and i still think that but it's like i don't want to do that full time because i do not want to participate in the tech industry i just don't want to do it no terrible but i do like games and i like art and games are like they can be very much and a good way to tell a story and a good way to show art um, because a lot of people don't like to read but they love to play games so if, if you like write a book and then turn it into like a text game you'll get way more readers of your book at, as a game than if you will just as a like independently published book um which is a different issue i'm not necessarily saying like oh kids these days they don't like to read anymore. Like, I, I get it. But it's also like, that is a big reason why games have really taken off is they allow for people to engage with text-based content with visual and moving stimulation and sound. Um, and so game jams in the past, I think I like have, I've looked at the results of a lot of them and I have participated in like, one or two when I was really, really young. And I don't think, I don't think those demos exist anymore. I did make a game demo, I think when I was maybe 18 or 19, I think it was called um, the solar policy or something. And um, it's basically like the first chapter demo of like a, like a pixel art um, point and click game. That's like the way, you know, um, ROM is, but, um, so that was fun to make. I did everything except the coding. Like I did the art and the story and the music, but then I had, I teamed up with a programmer who did all the programming for the first chapter and it's like, cool, it's done. I think it was, um, I think that one was for a game jam as well. I think it was for the solar punk game jam as opposed to cyberpunk. It's a different genre it's interesting um and i'm i mean i'm i'm proud of that because i actually still think it like it looks okay even now but it's still kind of like i think i wouldn't write a story like that now because i'm a very different writer even though it's only been like a few years um but they're fun you know uh, a lot of people have a lot more rules than the poetry gym does. A lot of people be like, you have to make something 
in 48 hours, make a game in 48 hours. And it's like, you know, people who like to program do enjoy that. I do not. So my, my kind of jam is one where it's like, here, you have a month. Because I feel like when you go over a month, like you can maybe go to two months, but when you go over a month, it's so hard to keep up the energy, but to make something just like a month long thing is really easy because then people can be like, okay, this month is for this and this month is for that. Um, but like, if you make something be like, this is a year long game jam, it's like, I don't know, giving people a whole year to maybe make something, it makes them more likely to not complete it. And if what you want to do is encourage people to like complete something, even if all they complete is three poems, like, hey, you still made three poems and that's great. And, you know, here it is. And like people have read it and now, you know, you could turn them into something bigger or you could, you know, do something else instead. But like you made something and that's good because I know how hard it can be to, um, finish a project like it's easy to start projects it's very difficult to finish them so yeah for sure and like yeah one of the things that's always i thought interesting about game jams is like you're saying like the a lot of the constraints around them sometimes too they're like you know as i'm sure you know but like focused around like a specific convention or something and is everyone just getting together in a certain space and trying to make a game in like a few days which reminds me a lot of like the kind of a ulipian type constraints and in, in writing or whatever that people like that some people like to do um yeah we should also talk you mentioned um like graphic design and i think uh you made you made several like posters and you know uh, guides and faqs for for people on the poetry jam website maybe you could talk about you know just like the the, the design that went into all that and how <laughs> how that all came together oh yeah. oh yeah well i mean i i wrote out the first post because i like i beginning of January, I was like, oh, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there was a game jam, but instead of making a game, you made a poetry chapbook? And then I had a really, like, positive response to that. I was like, hmm, this could be something. Not this month. Never do something. Never do an event in January. People aren't going to do it. Like, they'll say they'll do it, but they won't because it's January and it's the first month of the year. And half of that month is still, like, people recovering from the holidays. So... Um, I was like, well, but February would be good. And because it's a leap year, um, there's an extra day. So it ends up being a little more fair. So I was like, okay, okay. So let's just just sit down and write about this jam and what you want it to be and kind of the outline and like reinforce like the thought going into it, what you want to see, how you don't want to place constraint on people and like, just express, hey, um, you know, there are standards, but the standards are about like, not being a shitty person. Um, but otherwise, you know, like, this is the place where you can make, make what you want to make, and it will get read. And like, and then I also later, I mean, just earlier this week, the poetry question like published the short essay i wrote about it about how like a lot of people think they don't deserve good things and so it's kind of a big part of it is to be like no you do deserve good things 
because the only reason you think your writing doesn't have value is because of like organizations and institutions that have no respect for your work because you are not, you either pose a threat to them or you are not a part of like academia of that institution, whatever it may be. And I don't think that those standards 100% equal like, oh, this is good. And I don't like that that is what decides what is quote unquote good or worth publishing or not. And, you know, I think it just discourages a lot of people from ever thinking that they will be able to make art or write something. And I would much rather encourage that than discourage that. Um, and so the design that went into it though, like visually was I, I wrote the post and initially the post was like black background, um, teal accents, white text, because that's just how I like things to look. But I was like, no, no, this needs to have um, a specific design. So what I was doing is I was just going through and I was looking at um, posters on, cause I do follow a lot of like graphic design related tags on Instagram. So I was looking through poster tags and like, look, like, like saving screenshots of poster designs that I liked. And I was like, okay, so I have a general idea of how I want this cover to look, but I have to pick a color palette for it. And um, because I do work, I tend to default to the color green a lot because that's kind of like my my thing in quotation marks. Um, so I've been trying to like do other palettes that are not green. So I was just, um, you know, sorting through like different colors until I kind of settled on that. Um, the different shades of kind of almost that navy blue and then the the golden colors with the white accenting. And then I was like, great, this is perfect. Because I do believe, um, I really do believe that like darker colored screens with lighter text, like for me, just are a lot nicer on the eyes. So I try to always like go with um, a dark color, a bright color, and then, you know, either like white or black to go with it. It's, um, and it, it actually ended up looking really, really nice. And, um, and then I carried that over when I made the small little FAQ images as well, because I know the original post is a giant wall of text, which is not always the easiest thing to read. Um, but mostly the aesthetic about it was both kind of just like, in general, that's just how I design things is I'm like, what colors look good together? And then I just go with that once I've like put together a palette. Um, but also it was part of like, you know, what, you know, will draw people in. And I just ended up settling on um, the blue and gold, which is um, a very classic combination, but I do like, the, that kind of golden, almost sunflower color a lot, but I don't use it all the time. Um, but I think that's really uh, eye-catching as an accent. And it's also kind of like, they're just like, I think about colors that make most people probably feel good. Like, oh, this looks nice. Or, oh, this, like when you think about like color psychology, which, you know, 
we're, I'm not saying that like, ooh, if you use these colors, you can make these people do whatever that you want them to. No, that's not what I'm saying. But just saying like, oh, if you want something to, you know, make people feel motivated in a positive way, just saying that color psychology is not like, I'm not saying like, oh, use this color and then you'll you'll be able to get this person to do whatever you want. But it is, there is something that is shown to usually work in that, like, if you use a bunch of, like, like, red and gray and kind of, like, a rust aesthetic, people will be like, oh, this is kind of grungy. But if you use some, and if you use, like, pastels, people are like, oh, this is really cute. Um, but then, you know, if, if you want people to just, like, you know, feel motivated or positive, um, then it's good to go with, with colors that maybe you find um, positive or like that in general um, receive, you know, a positive response. Like you're not going to use a really ugly kind of like, like gross color. You want to use something that's like, oh, this is, this is, uplifting or and I think like uh, a deep blue is um blue is always very like a lot of people do find blue calming but when you make a deep blue it, it does make it kind of a little more a little more serious but not in a threatening way because um people will perceive a dark red as like oh this is serious but it's also like you know intense but if you do a deep blue they'll be like oh this is serious but it's not threatening and then I think like the gold, most people associate like golden colors with like, oh, the sun or, you know, happiness or whatever they might associate it with. So it's, I didn't necessarily put that thought into picking the, the colors specifically. I was more just kind of like, what do I think, what, what do I think would look good here? And I was like, hmm, I think this looks good. And that's what I went with. Um, but I do think that if you analyze it from a color psychology standpoint, then it would probably come across that way. I have no idea if it actually did. I could absolutely, I could be talking about this and people are like, you know, I really don't care. I was just kind of reading it and not thinking about the colors at all. And you know what? That's okay too. No, it's cool. Cause I think I asked uh, James about uh, like the paint bucket design and I've had a couple people on and I've like asked them about this stuff just cause I do, there was like a whole history of like loft aesthetics and stuff like you know whether it's i don't know the Bauhaus or something or concrete type stuff in brazil or whatever but uh i think something else we should talk about too that you mentioned is um sort of the anti-press stuff that you brought up and you wrote uh, an article or a little thing about it and um the poetry question and i guess like one yeah. of the things that strikes me that about how you talk about it and i think this you know poetry jam is meant to encourage yeah. is like um you really talk about like the community of it all and i guess like how how is um i guess like what, have you met like cool people through this so far and like what what's the community been like around it so far because you've gotten uh like maybe a, a dozen submissions i think so far too and it's only you know like yeah. a weekend yeah i mean so far i feel like the experience has been really positive i um i feel like mostly i'm not i'm not pushing it as much as i I could be because I think that's probably what I want to do the next time is really push the anti-press thing but it's like 
the thing is you have to kind of like introduce people to something and let them sit with it i think before they'll be ready to accept it which is like it's i'm not saying that's necessarily good i'm not saying that's not frustrating but um just like thinking about how can i effectively introduce other people to something i think is really good and important not just for poetry or writing but because what taking anti-press consideration into my work has done is that it, I also take kind of what it's based in and use that analysis in all other work I do. And I think that's a good thing because it has made me um, more conscious of like things I was not considering before and also how much I was kind of focusing on the wrong thing before in the sense that a lot of my writing up until probably this past year has been very much um, just completely focused, like tunnel focused on like intra-community trans like language stuff. But like maybe that's helpful for like a very basic educational standpoint. I'm not saying it's completely worthless, but I also think that like my focusing on that was kind of a frustrated outlet for feeling like I couldn't do anything better, but you can actually do things better. You just have to find a way to do them. And you also have to be considering who are the people who are actually the most in need. Cause it's not just like, it's not just uh, who experiences this very, very like broad kind of marginalization. It's also like, and who within that, marginalization is probably facing the highest risk right now and what can I do to help those people if I don't have money I can give them and the best way to do that is to focus your projects on, on creating um, support networks and also opportunities um, for the people who are the most marginalized within any community and like doing so in a way that does not make it inaccessible financially or like mentally or physically or security wise. Like, you know, there'll be like all these trans nonprofits and they'll be like, oh yeah, come to our event. But then they like have a security team there or it's like they work with the cops and it's like, that is not a trans friendly event. There's nothing where you like collaborate with the problem and the problem being, you know, a lot of different things, but definitely, especially the cops, especially if you take into consideration like trans people of color, like you cannot do that and say that that is a trans friendly event. The only kind of trans people who are gonna actually, you know, feel welcomed at that event are gonna be white, and are going to be, you know, either conservative or centrist or like, that's not going to help the people who are the most in need, because those kinds of people are not the people who are the most in need. The people who are the most in need are going to be people who struggle with um, having secure housing or homelessness. And they're going to be people who have either um, been imprisoned or faced the future threat of imprisonment um 
and it's not and, and and but you also need to do it not from a oh i want to be a savior and i want to help these poor people because that's got its own problems and that's not okay either but it's just being like you know who who is my worth stopping and thinking just for a few minutes just sitting down and going what it, what is my work what am i working on what are my goals okay so that's what the they are who does this benefit who am i trying to help and ultimately, if it's like, you know, if it's not helping the people who are at the most risk, it's like, how could I do that? How could I make it better? Not because I'm saying like, oh, you're inherently a terrible, horrible, evil person if you're not doing that. But because it's like, what is the point of anything we do if we aren't trying to help the people who need the support the most? And for me, I really wanted to introduce people to that kind of ethic because I think it really took like getting involved with anti-press stuff for me, for it to really click in a way that made sense. Because once I like completely understood like, oh, publishing industry is a problem. And what is a way to, you know, publish outside of industry? What is a way to publish? against the industry it's also like well how can i apply that to this industry this industry and this industry or this or that and um even you know if i don't convince all these writers and readers to you know boycott the publishing industry because you can't really make people do anything they don't want to do even if i can't do that i've introduced them to something that you know down the road they might you know accept that or like at least they will have been exposed to it and they will take it into consideration with what they do in the future. And I would much rather encourage more people to do that and stop focusing on like such the, the surface level um, individualism and very like, you know, very, very like watered down, like ineffective activism. I would much rather expose them to something that might make them think deeper and might encourage them to organize you know things that actually end up providing something substantial or doing something material and you know if you know i also get if i get to do that while also allowing people to have a positive writing experience where they wrote something they finished it and they put it out there and they you know like got some response or some feedback but like it, it was written and it was done and it was not a negative thing for them to do that. You know, if you give people a venue to freely express themselves, um, it will, it really does, it's this whole thing of like wanting to do something beneficial in an artistic way and wanting to do something beneficial in a political way and wanting to do that both at the same time um, and just trying to find the balance of that and to like, for me, I'm all about like, hey, we can do things differently and we can do things better. But I also believe that when I am encouraging people to do something different or better, I should show them like, here's an example of that and it's worked or, you know, like it could be improved, but like it's, it's, it's done something. I like to show that things can succeed and things can like better things are possible because so many people just believe that they aren't. But if you show them that they are, I think it really can help them move beyond kind of the 
the nihilism a lot of people have ingrained in their mentalities. And I'm very much like, you know, I don't care. Like I understand being frustrated and angry. I'm not saying like, if you feel negative emotions, you're wrong. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm, I don't enjoy that so many people try to get people to change in ways that just end up making them worse. They like, like they'll, they'll be like, you know, it's this kind of thing where it's like wanting actually succeed with something um, and not, and not feel like it was a failure or a waste of time. And, you know, I think also there are so many people who are just like anti-press is stupid or they're like anti-press is just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they like have all these like naysaying things about something they have not ever really actually looked into and don't know anything about and are just making all these assumptions about, which is its own problem. But it's also like, you know, if you show them you're wrong, I've done something positive and it's, it's you know, gone pretty okay then I mean well you've just shown that they're wrong and so then it it's kind of a response to criticism but you know not in a negative way it really like it really is supposed to be positive and a a good experience and like obviously some people may not have positive or a good experience but um all I can do is is really work and hope that overall the the net of what happens is positive and then it's like a two for one special basically it's like great we had good writing stuff and i got to expose you to being anti-industry and anti-press and now if you're curious about that like here's here's where you can read more here's where you can learn more and i think it's kind of like you know, I definitely got a lot of people like, oh, I've never heard about this, or I'm really enjoying like all the the reading about this, this alternative to industry that you're talking about. It's, you know, like a lot of this stuff, like really makes me think about like, what I'm doing. And, and am I actually, you know, am I actually trying in what I'm doing? And like, that's, that's what I want to just actually make something that isn't like there's a lot of stuff that's like ooh this is radical or ooh this is leftist but it's kind of just like only on the surface and then you like actually look at the writer or you actually look like at what the text contains or you look at who published it and it's like this is not actually leftist at all and like that's not what I want I want people to be like, oh, this is, you know, actually trying to do the to, to do the best it can with the very minimal resources to, you know, not provide something that's only surface level, to provide something that is, you know, trying to be sincere all the way through and not in a I'm better than you way, but just in a, I want to do this. And sorry. Um, no, no, and, it's and, cool. Yeah. Um, just an I want to do this way. And I would like you to do this too if you want to. I can't make you, but if you want to. Um, and 
you know, just, just trying to both encourage and introduce a lot of people who probably have never heard of any of this and don't know anything about like, quote unquote, poetry community and just be like, make poems and read poems. And also here's this, you know, small movement or small scene where people are trying to like work on and develop and produce things outside of an industry, which, you know, it's never going to be permanent, but that's not the point. Like, it's just telling people like, hey, not everyone is playing the same game. Not everyone is trying to win a competition. And, you know, some people are just trying to to do something else entirely. And you cannot always walk into something and assume like, oh, they're doing this this and this and they're they're trying to do but and it's like well how do you know that because that's not the point of it at all and it's just kind of it's a whole big thing of like being like you don't always know 100 that everyone is trying to do the same things that the rest of the world is because i think everyone kind of walks around with that assumption like oh you know people who say oh i have standards well they're just being obnoxious or they're being an asshole or they're they're like trying to show that they're better than someone and it's like well I don't actually think that person ever said oh I have standards I just think that they said I don't want to do that or I don't want to um I don't want to participate in that and I think a lot of people take statements of, I don't want to do something, and then they automatically tack on, and if you do this thing, you're a terrible person. And it's like, you know, most people might just be saying they don't want to do something. Like, it's just this kind of like people always assuming the worst and engaging negatively, even when something is like written out explicitly to like try and clarify, I'm not doing what you might be thinking I'm doing. Um, and it's kind of like the only way that you can ultimately really show people that you're not trying to like play the game that they're trying to play is to, you know, just do it and then be like, look, this is what we did. And if they yeah, look no, at I what think, you've sorry, done. I think that's a really important no, no, point. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say one of the hallmarks of the one of the hallmarks of the kind of anti-pressing to me seems to be like uh, responding to criticism with with action rather than, you know, just the words that often get traded back and forth to to no end. I think, and you know, like with your yeah. project with the with the poetry jam in particular, I think you know making sure that we're continuously welcoming new poets into the scene and. I think I think you know a poetry jams one of the like a really great way to do that and you know looking through some of the submissions there's like people in there who I you know never even like seen or like noticed before which I think is you know uh, you know a really cool facet of what of what you're doing yeah like most of the people who have submitted um I have not ever read any work of theirs except for one I think I've only actually like known only one of the 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 people I've submitted, um, and I really um, enjoy that person's work. Um, and it's usually not poetry. 
so it was really cool to see some poetry from that writer. But like, yeah, so far, so, so far, all of the the stuff I've read that's been submitted has been like people. I don't know who these people are. Like, I I don't follow any of these people. I do now um, because I've been following anyone who submits something. Um, like these are all just people who saw it and made something. And that is so cool. Cause you have to understand, um, I only expected to get like 20 people to join. And there's, there's over 160 people who have like clicked the join button. So it's a lot bigger than I expected it was going to be, but that's a good thing. That means like, wow, you know, there are a lot of people who are like interested in this kind of thing. Like, I, I do think that like, there is a much bigger, like there are actually so many people who want media that has substance because so much of media that comes out right now is what I like to call, um, you know how you'll go to the grocery store and you'll maybe you'll be looking at granola bars and it'll be like, there'll be like a granola bar. It's like zero calories. It's like, what am I eating then? What am I eating? This has zero calories. What kind of substance does this provide? Nothing. I think a lot of media right now is kind of like zero calorie media. And it's, um, it's like, you know, you know, some zero calories, like some empty escapism is okay. But the problem is that it's like so much of it, if not all of it, that I think people are actually like really, really hungry for stuff that actually contains something and I also think people are just people feel so hopeless about like you know you'll hear there's no ethical consumption under capitalism all the time and it's like yeah but what if we tried not from an individualist standpoint because that's a whole, whole like saying like you can solve climate change by going going vegan that what no that's not true first of all i say this as a vegan so if you're a vegan listening you can't come for me because i'm already one of you um but like just it's not it's not that that's not what i mean but saying like you know we could see if there's anything we could do and there might not be the thing is you have to go into this and you'd be like this might completely fail i could be completely wrong you have to you have to try and i think you know i if i have the ability i'm good at planning i'm good at like writing something out and being like okay so this is the structure of this thing that is something i'm good at but i am not necessarily good at like completing something but i'm very good at like hosting things so i feel like oh if that's something i good at i'm good at then that is something i should focus on doing because I don't necessarily need to be the the center of attention but like I do need to like do, do something beneficial if not for myself then for other people and um yeah I think mostly it's just the kind of thing where it's like hmm you just really want to actually be showing people like, hey, you know, things can happen, things can exist, and things aren't necessary. They don't have to be hopeless. Like I understand we're kind of taught to be hopeless. We've kind of been rendered to as, to have as little resources or options as possible. 
but I think by showing people like you can create new options um, if you if you try. And it just a lot of people are like I can't do it, you know, and you can't really convince people otherwise. So all you can do is in a specific area is be like, well, if no one else will do it, then I will. But I want to do it in a way where it's clear that people can see how I'm doing it and what I'm doing so that in the future, you know, other people will be able to do it. Because I think a lot of people organize things and make that organization completely dependent upon them. And that is not what I want to do. I do not want anything to be dependent upon my existence. Not because of like, I don't care about myself, but because I want people to see what I do and be like, hmm, you know, this is how they did that. I could, pro I could try and do that myself. Like the big part of it is that it's like, it's not just inspirational to readers or writers or whoever. It's also inspirational to people who might consider doing something like this themselves because I want to see more people doing things like this. They could do it with a theme. They could do it smaller. They could do it like, oh, you know, this is for like these kinds of people who don't get published. And like, this is like, we're going to do this with that. Um, but to, I think, be really transparent and like, this is what I'm doing. This is how I do stuff. This is how I put things together. This is how I keep things running. This is how I, this is what I do in my mind. This is how I, you know, structure things. This is how I plan things out. Um, you know, a lot of education does not teach that skill. So if you have that skill, it's really good to like share that kind of skill you've developed on your own with other people. Cause a lot of people want to do it. They just don't know how. A lot of people need that almost like a tutorial for how to do things, not because they're like, that's their fault, but because like, that is just something people need to like, feel sure of their own capabilities to feel sure of like their ability to do something successfully. Um, and also people just want to know, like, they want to know the steps to things because uncertainty in 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 developing a project or uncertainty in taking action really is too overwhelming and stressful for a lot of people but if you show them this you know just follow these steps and like you won't be able to predict everything and you have to be okay with the fact that something might go wrong but you you can handle it you know if you if you understand and you take all of these other things into consideration and when you say that i think it makes people feel like it's just the reassurance that they need to understand that, you know, it's possible and they can do it and, you know, they should try. And if they fail, they fail. I don't, I want, I also want to like encourage people to understand that failure is the end of the world and it's, it's okay. It's like, obviously no one wants to fail, but like, it's just one of those those ways of thinking where it's like this is like the way of thinking I've had to teach myself over the past like five years of my life because I was a very very different person five years ago than I am now um and just teaching myself all of these like internal 
mental tricks and kind of like w ways of thinking to, you know, get to a place in life where I actually, um, you know, don't just fall apart at the, the smallest thing because it's, it's really hard to make content when you're in that kind of vulnerable place in life. Um, and because I have been there, and it, I mean, you can go back to those places at any time. It's not like, oh, if you do this, this, and this, then you'll be fine forever. That's not how life works. But if you say, you know, if you just try for most of your days to the best of your ability to like take this approach and this mentality, I think it just, it makes all of life a little bit easier sometimes. And it's more just like in what I do, I'm definitely a lot more about trying to help people like overall, not just be like, oh, you're valid. Like not something like that, that holds very little meaning or very little support, but like showing people, this is what I've done to, you know, try and help myself because I didn't really have a support network. And this is what I've done, you know, to get to a place where I'm, I'm okay most of the time. And it's, it's so much deeper than that. It's more, more than just like it's art and it's creating things, but it's also like a lot about what you do with anything and what you do with yourself and how you live with yourself. And it's like, look, if you wanna, we wanna do something and you wanna believe that you're capable of doing something, I, there's nothing I can say as one person that will like do that for you. But this is what I've done. This is what I do. And if you want to do it, you can. And I, you know, obviously I hope it works for you as well. And it also might not. And it's, it's a sort of thing where you just want to actually show people like, hey, this is something you can do. Um, because so, I, I know I keep repeating myself like 20 times, but it's like so many people just don't believe that they can do anything that nothing is possible and then that's why a lot of people if you are someone who occasionally like, tries to do something they'll treat you so strangely they'll either like look up to you in a really odd way or they'll they'll find you very threatening and and like you know be very frustrated with the fact that you exist because they think that you're inherently trying to like show you're a superior person when you don't care about being superior at all um and i i mean you know i laugh about that it can sometimes be you know stressful or difficult but uh it's really just about reinforcing constantly in a you know not a toxically positive way because too much positivity or only positivity is is a very different problem and it's not good but like you know in a way that is not negative, being like, look, I'm not saying it's a free-for-all, but, you know, I want you to have an opportunity, and I also want you to, like, take this consideration when you go forward, because a lot of media, education, like, a lot of everything is just so about this one moment the here and now, it's on the surface, it's ultimately meaningless, you know, you want it as fast and as easy and as cheap as possible, 
bowl and then bam, it's over. And it's like, no, what is something that lasts but is not dependent upon any one person? And it's kind of like trying to take that approach in anything I do, um, which is a very um, complex approach, but I think it's a very, very worthwhile one because, you know, a lot of other things other people have tried just don't work. And it's like, it's just, it's like being a scientist and like experimenting and saying like, you know, what works? Yeah, no, I think um, like something I've tried to do with this podcast, for instance, is and maybe I should do better. Like you, you, one of the really good things about the poetry jam is you have so many guides and, you know, like posters and step-by-step -step instructions like that for how to, how to do various things related to the poetry jam. You know, something I want to try and do more is, you know, be like, say, like doing this podcast, for instance, isn't very hard. Like on a technical level, you just have to sign into Discord and invite Bot Craig into your Discord uh, server and tell the bot to start recording. And then you get a link and you click it and you get Audacity files, which are very easy to edit. They open and work flawlessly with like Audacity. And you can just edit them, and they're already synced up, so you don't even have to worry about trying to sync the audio between the two, between the two or more people talking. And like that kind of thing, I think is you know really important. Something that you've, I think, done really, really like done really well, and and clearly, in like a really, I think, uh, like, like a really good visual style to help people, you know, get, uh, yeah, do the do. I think uh, for me, jam. yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it just helps because, um, like, you know, I think just I have a lot of people who read my stuff or interact with my, like, anything I make, who come from all different backgrounds. Um, I'm autistic myself, and, like, I definitely have, like, I need words to look a certain way for, like, things to, like, make sense. Um, I have a completely like visual memory. I have a completely like visual mindset. Um, and so visuals are very, very important to me. Um, and it's also just like that because I've had so many years of a lot of feedback, like, hey, you need to do this because I don't understand. Or you, like, you need to specify this because I don't understand. Like it is very overwhelming and it can be frustrating to get those kinds of comments on anything you do ever. But it's also like, I try to be like, even if I am frustrated, I'll be like, okay, just like keep this going forward and try to take this into consideration. Like what might, like, it might make sense to you. You just be like, oh, do that. But to someone else, they might not understand what that is. And you have to be like, okay, so do, this and then this and then this and it's kind of like you know um if you have adhd or if you have any kind of difficulty focusing or you know getting through work in a neurotypical fashion um there are a lot of different approaches both like therapists will take but also you know people who live with this daily also discuss and part of it is just like literally listing out every single thing and I once I've started doing that like on a day where I have to like write something but I also have to do chores I have found that just listing every little thing 
out makes it so much easier for me to get through it. So it's kind of like taking all these different parts of life, like what helps me get through something that's hard for me? And just being like, okay, what might be hard for someone who's not me? And just trying to take that into consideration. No one person will ever consider everything because no one's perfect, but like, you know, we should try. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever heard heard this this kind of comparison but like people would be like you know what if climate change wasn't real obviously it is real but if it wasn't real what would be lost by you know treating the earth better like even if we could treat the earth terribly and nothing would happen which isn't true but even if it was that way um what would be lost in you know making our energy not pollute the earth um stop like no longer killing forests and killing animals and displacing people um who live in the areas we destroy like not nothing is actually lost by being a better person it just takes a little bit more work and a little bit more effort the only people who lose ultimately are people who have a financial or um a financial stake in something continuing or growing or people who have a a power uh, a power that depends upon something continuing or growing and when you reach that point of understanding like the only people who benefit from this continuing are either you know people who only care about money or like money is or like succeeding through capitalism is very important to them or people who want to keep power over other people by this thing succeeding um so it's one of those things where it's like you know look like either you could do nothing and nothing changes you could be worse and things get worse or you could put a little more effort and work into it and do something better and look even if you were wrong you haven't lost anything yeah yeah, exactly. And I think like that kind of energy to me is like similar to like I've I've never done coding. I can't I don't know how to do it or making game video games or something like that, but you know, something that's like a very common like way to approach things I think in a lot of times in like, you know, a, a game jam type space. And I think that you know, trying to take that and maybe introduce some of that into poetry is a it's a really good idea in a culture where you know, it feels like there's so much pressure to be to be timeless. And, you know, like I've spoken, like one of the, an interesting moment I remember from talking to Wendy Trevino on here was when she was talking about you know the feeling the pressure like of trying to write poems and just like it being such a detrimental thing to the creative process. I think just realizing you know you can just you can just like try and fail is something that. Um, Really, uh, is some, I like the thing. The thing to me that's good about like the poetry type idea is, you know, like you can build a, a community around like the trying and maybe failing, maybe succeeding aspect of it in a way that um, doesn't really exist in poetry now. You know, it's so much about you know the the next book or the next you know completed work that you know is meant to go in a book and then be printed and then distributed and then you know criticized as this you know final product in a way that I don't think is uh, always very healthy, I guess. Or maybe, yeah, that's probably a good way to think about it. Yeah, I think it's it's like, it's trying to be the opposite of like, when you look up being an independent publisher, 
almost all the videos and all the posts about it are like, okay, so write six books, six ebooks a year and put them all on Amazon. And it's like, no, that is terrible. <laughs> Both like, not even just from an <laughs> ethics standpoint, but like from only, a... <laughs> sorry, that's from a good... <laughs> That's only really good advice if you really want to try and game the Amazon algorithm. That's not even like, it's not like publishing advice. That's just like Amazon algorithm advice. Yeah, it's, 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 it, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not even, that's not even good independent publishing advice. That's just good how to win at Amazon advice. And it's like, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of like standardized testing in school is not actually it doesn't actually test intelligence it just tests who's good at standardized testing um and like that is that's not the point that's not helpful that doesn't mean anything you know you're 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 trying to like teach people how to succeed at something that doesn't hold any action like it doesn't actually do anything beneficial for anyone um and it's very much like, how do we build an um, independent publishing community that, you know, is enjoyable for everyone within it or to the most, like, to the most that it can be, but also, like, isn't like that. One of the hard things about trying to do this kind of stuff is not replicating a lot of the, like, especially in the U.S. context, it's for so long, there's only been publishing. And, you know, there there are communities that have you know existed that you know maybe that will that definitely don't get the same level of press or attention and that's for structural reasons related to the existence of, of publishing itself but even still you know the immeographing type stuff you know there's a real you know there's some overlap there in terms of of the model of distribution it's you know someone writes something and then they xerox it mimeograph it and it mm -hmm. gets distributed and that's not like a critique of anyone who did that you know it was a much different time than right now and in a lot of ways you know there's a lot of uh, radical potential there i think but on the other yeah. hand too it's it's still essentially just a one-way broadcasting type thing that i think you know we have uh, some ability to maybe address i don't want i don't mean that i don't want to get too you know techno optimist about it because i don't I don't really feel that way about it, but about tech that way. But what I'm trying to say is, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> try and you know, the build off what, what came before us, and not not necessarily in a, like a disrespectful way or in a way aimed at like discrediting it or anything. It's just you know we we saw how it went. We yeah. want to try something else. I think people are just so used to like, like people showing up out of nowhere and being like, "I'm the first person to ever do this, and I am so smart, and I." doing something fresh and unique and no one's ever thought about this before and it's like they automatically assume that anyone who ever shows up doing anything different is doing that so when you have people who are actually like no 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 we don't think we're unique or important you know we don't think we're the first people to think this kind of stuff actually we were very much inspired by people who thought this kind of thing before us um, but people are just like nope I have already decided that you think this, this, and this, and that you're just, you know, like, you're so full of self-importance. And, I mean, you know, you can't, it's very difficult to dissuade someone when they've already made that decision. So all you can do is be like, okay, and 
you know, just disengage yeah, and just it, keep on doing it. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I think, you know, like in the tech space, like to talk about, go back to like techno optimist and sort of the way that stuff gets covered yeah. and wh- how I'm trying to contrast with that is like, you know, like uh, Brian from Street Fight, the podcast has a, has a saying, <laughs> has something you like to say about Amazon. And it's it's like, he says, um, you know, like what people who like are like, oh, Jeff Bezos is some kind of genius. He's just out here doing all this stuff that no one could ever imagine. And it's like, what, what did he invent? Selling shit on the internet? Like, that's not, <laughs> that kind of happened before, you know? And in the same way, you know, there, there's just... people. Oh, what were you going to say? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm saying like, yeah, he he was definitely not the first person to invent selling things online. He actually like the the whole thing is that like he had to game the system and jump ahead the other people who were doing it before him, so he could like put them out of business so that they couldn't challenge him taking anything that seemed like their idea. So he didn't like invent it. He just he was just the person who came out ahead in that situation it could have been it could have been any number of people you know the jeff bezos of today could be a different guy who was doing that at the same time it just happened to be him yeah totally and like you know something else worth pointing out too is you know he got like a quarter million dollars from his parents and i think his wife's parents to start amazon and like yeah you give me a quarter million dollars i'm sure i could make something happen <laughs> I mean, most people don't have that kind of yeah. Uh, never see like not alone like have that cash, but like never will see it like ever. Like that amount of money is just ever. like an unfathomable amount of money. Yeah. yeah, like I, I can't like the thing is when I try when I stop and I think about like what would you do if you had this much money and I just like I can't imagine having that much money. Like I just cannot. Uh, I'm like I can't see myself in a situation where I will ever have that much money unless I've done something I would never do. And it's one of those things where it's like when the desire to have money is not something you possess personally, then when you don't possess that, you know, the way you make art and the way you engage with art is so different because you don't care about financial success um and a lot of people just don't understand that they're like oh well you should do this this and this to make it succeed and it's like i mean yeah i could but i don't want to do any of those things because those go against like who i am as a person yeah and i think i think maybe you said this in one of your pieces uh I can't remember, but someone recently said, you know, like, even still, if you follow all the rules and, you know, just disregard any beliefs you might have about, you know, publishing or, you know, the political implications of it all, and you follow all the rules of publishing, like, it's still a lottery system at the end of the day, unless, you know, you know someone, unless you have connections, which, well, in that case, it's a little bit different, but, yeah, you know, if you're just following the rules and you don't have connections, it's, it's a lottery system, and it, you're not you might you just might not get in regardless of how much work you do or how many or how good it is or any of that you just you just might not make it and that's you know i think mm, that's a problem yeah yeah, like anything where it's just like it's like it doesn't matter whether or not it's good it doesn't matter whether or not you followed the rules like you there's nothing you can do ultimately to like for sure get what you want that is not a functional system at 
all. Yeah, totally. And like, um, this used to be more common a couple of years ago. Um, but you know, you used to see people talking about how, you know, I've submitted to like, you know, like 30 con, like literally like 30 contests, like stuff, like numbers like that. Like I've submitted, you know, there's dozens of times and it's just, it's just never been accepted. And sometimes I even, you know, sometimes in that context, we even see people say like, oh, you know, it's just time to move on to the next manuscript, you know, write something new. And it's just like this, the system demands so much labor of us before we even get a chance to be published and you know just there's just yeah. such heavy upfront cost that like the what other industry could even demand this of, of someone it, just, it literally makes like no sense from any kind of it just doesn't make sense for if you're like you know someone trying to do art or write poetry like what why why do i have to do all this this labor up front that just is going to more or more likely than not be uncompensated and that's not even like yeah. the only way of looking at it too it's like you know how alienating is that experience and you know it's like we talked about earlier like the, with the poetry jam it's about welcoming new people into this into the into the scene and you know that's why i think for a lot so many people turn away from poetry is it's just demands it's so, so much elitist like or maybe exactly. not necessarily elitist but it's like people are definitely very very snobbish about it even if they have no reason to be because it's they just like they're like it's definitely a very um you'll walk it it's it can be very different because you'll meet some poets who are just amazing people down earth and like they're great friends but you also meet some poets who are like mm, i'm a poet hmm what do you do and it's like oh i am not a part of this conversation is what i'm doing it's like yeah and I, I never ever want to be that kind of person or encourage that kind of mentality because i just think it's gross it's just yuck yeah and i think that yeah and i mean like and it's also on a structural level it's like just like celebrating existing social relate like social relationships and existing arrangements of capital in the poetry scene which is to me just absolutely bananas like why would you just beyond just accepting the way things are why would you just like celebrate it and be like yes i got through these hurdles this is a proof of my this is proof of my own merit i see so many poets who i remember you know several years ago used to be talking about how how shitty this system is and now turning turning around and being like you know i made it you know i'm it proves I'm good. It's like, weren't you just like saying the opposite? And like, this is, this is just like an untenable system in a lot of ways. And, you know, the only solution to it is the end of it. Really. You know, there's, there's no, there's no other option here, but the end of capital, you know, like we, I've talked about with, you know, um, John, uh, Johan, the kid on Twitter about like libraries, like so much of this stuff is just going to be, is just going to have to, just com- completely go and become unrecognizable because all of it is arranged in really, really, really problematic ways. Uh, you know, like even down to the very idea of books, you know, like those are products of capital, like literally the printing presses are capital. Yeah. And it's like, obviously I want a world where books that aren't products exist, but like you have to teach people to like definitely 100% like 
engage with books so differently. Like, I think people think when you say this industry should not exist, that you're saying a book should not exist or a game, like that those like art should not exist. And people take that so threateningly if they're an artist and they, they're like, well, no, fuck you. But it's also like, no, what an industry is and what a product is, that's the problem. But you, but like, and like, yes, the way games are now, the way books are now, the way things are now, they're products that exist in an industry. And that is a problem because they, because that, what that continues, what that symbolizes, like how that influences what gets made and what gets played and what doesn't. Um, but it's not saying art will never exist anymore or writing will never exist anymore. It's just like, no, you just have to think about like, what do these things completely devoid of being a product or being an industry, what do they look like? And how do we create something which, you know, supports and sustains these things without an industry? Like, and some of that might not be possible right now, but you have to think about it because, you know, it's almost like, I think why I find it interesting to develop things like the Poetry Jam or whatever, it's because in a way, it's like taking something that some people might think is a like science fiction concept and making it real. And that's fun. You get to live out your own kind of like science fiction role play, except you're doing something real in real life. Um, it's like, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta, you just gotta try. You just gotta try to, to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, in that kind of, uh, vein i think you know there's a lot of room for kind of speculation about what we're gonna what what publishing or what any of this kind of creative work will look like in the future and there's like so much there that needs to be done because right now it's all the energy it seems is just going to printing books which like i mean is that even (laughs) in an era of climate change is that even ethical anymore to to do to print a book I, i mean genuinely i don't i don't know yeah like that, like unless we, I really think we need to find um, a biodegradable alternative to paper because I do believe in physical print and I find physical print very important. But I also like right as the world is right now, like the, the way we consume paper and trees is not good. And yeah, and I we mean, just very need often, to be oh, looking no, no. at other. We just need to look at other materials, like. Um, I mean, I know I saw recently like a whole thing of this scientist making uh, a structure that's stronger or as strong as concrete, except um, it's a, a mushroom technically, but you could like build walls with that. Like that shit's cool. Or um, there are. Oh, that's there like, is you know, like I'm sorry a, to interrupt, but that's a that's like a literal sci-fi. No, of course, go ahead. Octavia Butler's. Um, little sprit like they just like have plants that grow into they're sentient plants but they grow into you know houses or whatever yeah um but like that sort of thing i've also i think i saw once like there's um experimental technology of like they're making like biodegradable um i don't know if it's plastic or film or whatever it is but it's like a book of like pages that are not made with paper and they 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 do, you know, degrade the way paper does. So it's not like 
a polluting kind of thing, but that, that sort of thing, like, you know, like what, like we have to think about the fact that what paper is made of, or like, like I, I love physical books and I love, I do love having paper products. That's always been something I've really enjoyed the tactile relationship with that, but it's also like, um, you know, you, know, you got to think about trees and like, I'm not saying books are going to die, but like we, you know, we should be thinking about it because if you don't think about it, the thing is someday it's just going to happen either way. And then if you've never thought about it and you've never worked towards considering what you're going to have to do if it ever reached that point, it's just, you're just going to be lost and you're going to be unprepared. If anything, it's more like, you know, I don't want anything to catch me completely by surprise. Yeah. And like, um, I mean, even with books too, like we've now moved into like, well, you know, your, your poetry jam takes place online and, you know, you're, you have guides to, well, you have guides both to, you know, assembling uh, physical uh, zines or chapbooks and also assembling, you know, ebooks or, you know, EPUBs or, you know, PDF files or whatnot. And, you know, like what I think another, and this is something that has been thought about since like um, HTML or, uh, excuse me, hyperlinks came along. But, you know, what does, uh, what does a book look like as we, you know, move into this kind of space? You know, like, so for so long, the book has been um, sort of an organizing way of thinking about the world, you know, like, you know, through all the mm -hmm. you know, daily metaphors of like, you know, we, we you know, turning and turning the page or, you know, a new chapter on life or what, or, you know, starting a new chapter in your life, all those kind of things. Like, what does it mean that we might uh, head in a different direction with some of that stuff? And, you know, how can we maybe think about organizing stuff like that, like organizing our creative work differently in a way that maybe it differs in, a, in the way we would like from the model of, of the book or the text. Yeah, and I, I do think that's definitely a big benefit of doing something digital, but I also have like, my concern about doing digital things like a poetry jam is that there are so many people who just don't participate in social media or don't have, have a computer or a phone. Like they're never gonna know that this is happening because it takes place online. And especially since so many disenfranchised people are below the poverty line and may not have a computer or may not have regular access to the internet um, or may not have secure housing to be able to make something. I feel like for me, I'm like, you know, how can I eventually do something that is definitely like, interacting with people who are not going to see something online. Um, and also it's like, you know, how do you do something that is, you know, preservational for, for the earth, preservational for like an archival sense, like you won't lose what has been made, um, but also physical for the people who may not have that digital access. And that's very difficult, but I do think it's important because like you can do all of this stuff online, but the people who are online ultimately are still just a fraction of the population. And most of the population like is not gonna see that 
because of the medium it's presented in. And that's not a failure on your part. That's just how it is. And you just have to be like, you know, if I really want to get marginalized voices, I have to put in physical work myself and I have to physically connect with this, this group of people or this community or this scene. And I have to listen and be respectful and just be like, you know, I, here's a way I can support you. Would that work for you? And like, you have to work together as equals and a team and you have to put in that work yourself. It's like, you can't just not, the world is not going to be solved by saying like, like tweeting something out and then letting their responses come to you. You do have to go looking and you have to like, you have to ultimately say, if I want this to go further than just a limited audience, this is what is necessary to make that happen. And then you just have to do it to the best of your abilities. Definitely. And like, um, then that gets to, you know, both thinking of how to, um, like the, like the form, these sort of, uh, well, like our work takes, but also how it, how it gets distributed. Like it can't be, you know, through the, the publishing model of just, you know, like, you know, like with American dirt, you heard all kinds of stories about, um, okay. yeah, you heard all kinds of stories about, and oh, I'm, I'm realizing I have to backtrack, but, um, like basically, uh, books that publishers really want to hype they will give out free copies called advanced reader copies to like bookstores or something so you know like they'll send you know a few copies to a books like you know an independent bookstore or whatever of, of the book they want to be the book of the year so the booksellers can read it before everyone else and you know be able to sell it to people that way and with american dirt like something that <laughs> people heard about like people that came to people's attention frequently was you know they were sending more copies of it like advanced reader copies of american dirt to bookstores than the bookstores had employees and like like that kind of like way publishing just like can push something like you know when we like when we think about like american dirt, like like it's been pretty widely condemned and he, like despite all of that it just continues to happen and that's you know and that, yeah. that's like the distribution model of poetry and, you know, the what you were just talking about, like, you know, we're reaching marginalized folks like that has to take a much different form. Like, obviously, you know, if you're just going to print out copies like that, which is, you know, again, how publishing operates, that that might that might do it. But that's not that's not the way we anyone wants it to be done. Like, we've seen the harm that that can do. Yeah. And it's all it's like it's so wasteful from like like a paper standpoint and it's you know so cold and like just lifeless because i mean they don't even care how many employees a store has they're just like here's 20 books go and it's like it's just the evolution of media and how much marketing and marketing like as its relationship with propaganda and how marketing and advertisement and success financial success like money 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 like it just how it took over the way all media is made and all media is consumed is so sad and insidious and it's just like you just kind of sit there and you're like gosh you know i, d I don't want to be i don't want to be doing this like, like if even if i did get published and i was 
very successful, I would feel terrible about that. Yeah, I mean, the, you see the kind of stuff publishing, like American Dirt's one example. I think the how the new Margaret Atwood book was promoted is another great example of just how just the ends publishing will go to to try and sell books. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just obviously yeah there are, there are some problems there and though those aren't like accidents those aren't uh like one-off problems those are structural issues that go to the very foundation of why publishing should no longer continue to exist like these things will continue to happen because publishing will continue to happen you know what i'm saying like there's no <laughs> like you have to like yeah you're else. never gonna get it to yeah, stop like, there's no way to get it to stop it's... because that's what it exists to do yeah, the industry literally exists to make things like American Dirt or My Dark Vanessa happen. Like they, that is like they are designed to do that. It's like how Twitter is designed to make people fight each other. Publishing as an industry, the publishing industry is designed to function the way it is. Like American Dirt happening is what publishing considers a success. The only thing that's affected it is public social backlash. And even that's not really going to change it. The book's been printed. The book's been published. It's going to exist. It's going to be bought, sold, and read. Maybe not as much as they were hoping, but, you know, it's not going to change. And I don't, I don't even think, I don't even think, despite what the author's <clears throat> gone through, I don't think she's going to change. If anything, I think she's just going to be like, fuck you, I'm going to keep doing whatever I want. Because, like, that's kind of the impression I've gotten from it. And it's like, you know, People just, people just have this like really weird thing where like, they're like, you know, actually like holding people to be like, no, you cannot do, like, this is not okay. They're like, that's too much. That's too harsh. You can't even say that. And well, then it's like, well, what's the point then? Just anyone can do whatever they want. It doesn't matter how harmful it is. Like that is not going to solve anything either it's it's just like i don't know what to tell you but as long as this exists this will continue to happen yeah and that's why it's important to both stress that's like that's why it's important for me to like think about you know i realize you know because we exist you know because we live in a society there's only so much we can think about or envision or imagine about what the future might look like and you know a good way to maybe get a further grasp on that is, you know, to talk to other people about what they, what they think they want to see from this kind of creative world. But on the other hand, on the other hand too, like it's, it doesn't negate the fact that, you know, publishing still is something that needs to, needs to go. And, you know, it's part of, you know, yeah. it's a broader thing. Like if you want that kind of world to exist, like it has to come through the overthrow of, of capital. Like, that's that's how this that happens those are two very yeah uh, tied together things yeah it's like it's like like i get it you know i get that that is a big change into a lot of people that's really scary but it's also like you just kind of sit there and you're like i don't know what else to tell you you're not gonna get what you want unless you actually like it's like weeds you know everyone knows you can't get rid of weeds unless you take out the entire root and people are just like nope i'm just gonna keep mowing the lawn i'm just gonna keep mowing the lawn and it's like no it will always grow back unless you take the whole thing out and i understand that that 
takes more work and that can be difficult and you have to get your hands dirty, but you have to do it because that is the only way to permanently change something is to remove it entirely. Yeah. And I, so we got a bit, <clears throat> we've gone on a bit long about like um, publishing stuff and maybe, maybe we should do a separate, <laughs> separate thing about maybe some of the bots you've done in science fiction and your own work, like in a separate episode, just cause I feel like this is a good solid yeah. episode about just, you know, the, the, po the yeah. both the, the poetry jam itself and the larger sort of culture that exists in or the kind of intellectual stuff it's, you know, a part of, I guess. Yeah, it's it's surrounded by so much, like, you know, I, I, I understand that a lot of people are like, you know, if you want to have a career where you live off of the money that you make from writing, like, people are like, well, I can't you know, not do this. And it's like, yeah, but that's not what I'm saying. It's like, wouldn't it be nice to have a world where you didn't have to do that in order to survive? And it's kind of like, well, what is necessary to make a world where you don't have to do that kind of thing to survive? And it, that goes so much beyond just publishing, so much beyond just writing, um, you know, and you just gotta encourage people to be like, look, I understand if you don't want to do it or you don't think it's possible, like I literally can't make you, I'm not going to like show up to your apartment and be like, like make you sit down and be like, you better, better fucking write the free chapbook or else. Like, I'm like, that's not going to happen. You're, you are not the protagonist of the world. Um, but it's also like, look, I like you say you don't want to do this, but you have no other option but the only option there is is to try to create a world where that is not necessary and where that no longer exists and if like if you genuinely don't want to do that that is really the only option you have to move forward and not do it yeah and just like one other thing about that too is you know i've talked i know i've talked a lot about it is like you know i recognize that people make their living in book publishing or uh, you know, being a writer, and I'm not saying like you have to stop doing that. Like, like I realize, you know, like I'm coming at this from a different angle. I don't make my living from writing, and you know, like if you do, you know, that's that's fine. In a lot of ways, like what the goal of some of this stuff is is also, you know, organizing writers and taking collective action to extract demands from publishing. And yeah, yeah, you know, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, um if you organize around writing, it's also a good way to get a lot of writers, um, like you're connecting over writing, but then you can introduce this group of people to something that's gonna affect their the, the action and the work they do across their entire life and not just writing. And um, it's the sort of thing where it's like, you can organize writers to take action within writing, but you can also organize writers and, um, you know, encourage them to change and take action in 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 so much more. And it's kind of like trying to take a very um, like like overall view and be like, I know there's an infinite amount of things constantly affecting someone's life or world, but you can always be like, you know, if you give them the tools or the the form of analysis or the the way of thinking um, 
that they can apply in a lot of different ways and a lot of different areas. It can, you know, it'll make their work completely different in a way I think will make them feel happier about it, but will also make, you know, their, their work better. And I also think like it, it makes, it makes people's lives better because you've, you've given them something, you know, you've, you've shared something, you've helped build something that people can use to make, so much of the world better including writing but not limited to it and it's like that is that is great you know it, you find something you care about you're passionate about and you understand art does not exist in a vacuum and you go okay well you know art does not exist in a vacuum um and it art has importance and exists in in our world and how can i do that you know for for good like even even a small good like a good between me and my friends or a good between me and people who, you know, they need something that, that speaks to them, but also it, like, it can be bigger than that if you want it to be. And it's, um, it's not like, oh, this is going to, this one thing will change the world. Like no one is saying that, but you know, nothing is lost by like trying to introduce or do something nice and good overall yeah and like you know also with like people working in writing like you know i talked to elena gomez on this podcast and she like we she talked like we talked for like 30 minutes about her after like she worked as an editor and about a publisher and we talked for like probably 30 minutes about her efforts to organize like start a union at, at her publishing company like there there are still there are like this is a there are multiple ways to go about this and you know, but we were like, there's still the, we're still trying to get to the end goal here of uh, the end of this kind of system. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, I, I'm not necessarily saying anyone who works here or as a part of this institution is inherently the most evil person ever. Blah 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 blah. It's not like that, but it's like, look, if you're a part of it, yeah, it's a systemic, it's a systemic thing. Like, we're this is a critique of the system of the system. It like it's like when you critique something like. You know, I have a lot of concerns about academia and academics take that very, very personally. It's like, well, I was not saying you specifically, but if me critiquing academia feels like a personal critique of you, what does that, what that means you see yourself as a part of academia? Like, and if you see yourself as a part of academia and you see a critique of academia as a critique of you, then, you know, that is something you need to think about and you need to like be like oh wait this is a systemic issue which harms other people in an institutional and systemic way and i consider myself to be a part of it and i want to defend and protect it but that means i'm defending and protecting something which harms other people you know what can I do instead of defending that or trying to keep it alive? What can I do to make something that does not hurt people and do that instead? It's like, you know, there are academics who are trying to change academia and that's great. Like, but my, like, you know, when I critique academia, I'm not necessarily saying like, Oh, ho, ho, hello, academic number 35, you specifically should jump in a lake. But it's really, people take it like you've just said that. And it's like, no, I was, I was not saying that. But 
you know, if you feel that a critique of a system is a critique of you, that probably means you're perpetuating a system that you should not be perpetuating. Yeah, I think that that, that might be a good spot to to end it. Uh, <laughs> thank you for talking. Probably. Yeah. Is there any, is there anything else you wanted you wanted to say about about this before we sign off? Uh, I mean, you know, I feel like I've said probably the same thing like ten different ways, but mostly like like hey, you know. No, that's really. I think that's really good. <laughs> Yeah, like just check, just check it out. And also, like you know, if you have an idea, you're like, oh, hey, you know, I could make this club that meets like once a once a month, and people are welcome, and we'll try to like you know n make sure shitty things don't happen. And what we'll do is like, you know, once a month, people can like bring a poem, and we'll like share share it as a group wherever we meet, um, and like then we can like try and like help each other work through our poems and like you just do something like that and like, guess what you also make friends doing that you might also make enemies but you know i mean you gotta have a little excitement in there um but like you can like, like you can just do stuff like that you can just go out and do it and like i understand that not everyone necessarily feels that they are capable of doing that but i really do believe in you know human beings capability to do things i just think that all of us have been taught that we are just like little insects on the ground and we we can't do anything and we just have to accept things are the way it is and you know only very special people have the ability to 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 make things happen and i disagree completely i don't think i'm special i don't think i'm unique i just think i'm someone who has you know decided to be like look you know i I would like to see this thing happen and the only way I know it'll happen in a way that I can I can trust and believe in is if I help facilitate it and like you know just I believe that you deserve happiness and I believe that you deserve to make art even if it's bad art even if it's ugly art I believe you deserve an opportunity to have that read or considered. I believe that people deserve to have positive and good things happen both with what they create, but in their life in general. And, you know, I believe that people are so, they're, they're capable of a lot more than they think they are. And like, I believe in other people's ability to do things. Like if someone says, you know, oh, I kind of want to do my own poetry jam, but, but I don't know if I'll, I'll be able to do it the way you've done it. Oh no, you can, you can probably do a better job than me. I like, I believe in you, you know, I just want people to know, like, if you want to do something, you know, you, you, you look it up, you'd be like, how do I make an event happen? And like, you, you, you figure out how to structure it, how to plan it, you know, try to get people to come to it. And it may not work out. I'm not saying it will work out, but I believe that people are very, very capable of trying to do something Thing, of organizing something and uh, seeing what works and what doesn't. And um, I hope more than anything that this encourages people to reconsider the way they make art, engage with art, but also reconsider the way they, you know, get together with other people or the way they meet strangers or connect with strangers or, you know, just 
oh, trying to like capitalist isolation is killing so many people, the belief in themselves, the belief in their work, their belief in other people. And I think the only way we can fight that is by trying to be like, the way I, why I feel so lonely, why I feel so alone or so hopeless is because the world is designed to make me feel that way. And like, one Sam of publishing is a great best... example of that. Absolutely. It absolutely is. Um, and the best way that you can show that it is designed to make you feel that way is to design and participate in and sustain something that makes you feel the opposite of that. Yeah, no, uh, I think that's, that's good advice. You know, start a, start yeah. a poetry jam, start a union, you know, make some friends. Yeah. That's all. Start a union. Yeah. Start. Those are good. Those are good yeah. things to do. It's just it doesn't have to, you don't have to set out to be like, okay, so we're all going to get matching hats and we have these 10 commandments and then we're going to like go to a gun range and we're going to blah, blah, blah. We're going to, we're going to change the world. Like, no, it doesn't have to be like that. You'd be like, you know, I just want to get together and, you know, do poetry. Bam. Guess what? You can do that. So, so go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Th thank you so much for talking, Ben. Of course, I talked so much. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and I definitely do want to do like another episode where we do science fiction because that would be so great, I think. Yeah, no, I love, as people listening to the podcast might know, I love derailing the podcast to talk about science fiction. So it's somewhat of a miracle that I actually did not manage to do that on this one. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's a lot. It's a long way. Yeah. So we'll definitely do that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, this was, this was great. Um, but yeah, just like if you if you're like, mm, I really wanna I really wanna talk about science fiction, just be like, hey Vin, it's science fiction time. I'll be like, great. This is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do it soon. We'll do it soon. Totally, totally. All right. Well, um, do you need me to say anything else about myself? Um, I can get you the links no, by the I think end good. of the night. Okay. Yeah, no, no worries. Cool. I'll I'll link at the very least I'll link the the um, poetry jam site the, the, jam the, thing, the thing you wrote yeah yeah honestly <laughs> okay okay cool well i'm glad i, I got everything cool. at the very least yeah, yeah well, let me stop totally recording. totally